Well, listen, I know these guys are ready to go. You got, uh, you know, this is uh, Spence. Are we recording? Are we good? All right. So give me the thumbs up from the booth. Uh, there's no intro. We already started, right? We just started with the PhD comment, I think. That's I mean. how we're going to roll in this episode. <laughs> but I will tell you this, man. Thank you for having me. This is the uh, high-vis FireTech brand of lights. This is your studio. Yeah, it your is. Your home. Yep, it is. It is. And I, I think that, you know, not to get all weird because we've been laughing, but I'm going to get a little, a little like, uh, you know, serious for half a minute. But I think what you guys are doing, what you've invested in here – with the team that you've put together and understanding how to go after businesses, becoming part of the community, building yeah. brand, brand recognition. There's nobody doing it better than you. Well, thank you. I appreciate I mean that. that. <laughs> I mean that in, in a thousand different ways. And I've gotten to know your team. That's why I'm here today. And that's why I get to sit down with you today and kind of pick your brain and story a little bit, figure you out, try to see what I you're doing. About all that. We'll try and share something exciting. I think it's fun because <laughs> anytime I mention you or anytime you come up in conversation or the high viz company the fire tech brand right it's sam 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 right <laughs> yeah which is funny because it really as a business is growing my goal is to break that away but it still is that is the case but isn't isn't that what works right like i know with national fire radio it was super important from day one to accept responsibility for everything that we did mm. and to be able to be able to do that and become authentic and to really put it out there you have to accept responsibility for everything you do and so Every single piece of content I put out there has my name and signature on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the case. Yeah. Same so, here. I mean, it's like, it's important that in anything, I mean, like, you, you got to get the team behind it. But I mean, ultimately, yeah, someone's got to sign off on it. So, 100%. So, take me back, right? So, let's start kind of at the beginning. Like, I got your story last time we met and we got to chat a little bit. But I'd love to know how you ended up here today. I mean, I know you're entrepreneurial. I know you have an incredible hustle and and pep in your step, if you will, right? I don't, I don't know a better way to put it, but you're always excitable. You're always on the go. You're always ready to go. I remember when I met you the first time in your office, we walked in, and you're like, you see that? that that's a handwriting machine. I go, what? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, so I can, like, dictate to my computer what I want to say. I think handwritten notes are important, but I don't have time to handwrite notes. So I created this algorithm and, and uh, software that I can do this, and then this writes in my handwriting, blah, 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 and I can send letters out. And I remember looking at my wife, Terry was with me, and I looked at her, and I'm like, Jesus, this guy's incredible. Like, <laughs> but it's, you dive in head first on everything you do. Yeah. I've Why? been like that since I was a kid. I think, you know, when I look back at my, you know, my whole business journey, has, I've always been into business, but business was always a way to kind of like write my own rules and kind of write my own script. Love that. And when you work for someone, you're kind of like, you do what they tell you, you know? And, and in business, if you run the show, then... You can come up with kind of the construct of whatever you want. If, if I wanted to be in the business of bottle caps, I could create a whole, I could do whatever I wanted. I could get into media, I could get into technology, I could get into engineering. And in business, you're able to kind of go on your own path. And I've always been someone that takes my own path. I think it's, it's been what important. part of it do you enjoy the most? Because when, when you are entrepreneurial and when you dive in like you do, it's not just the creative side. Like, I know I struggle with execution on the business sense. I'm a mm. creative guy. Yeah. My brain's constantly going. I'll find 15 <laughs> ways to sell you that bottle cap, talk about that bottle cap, show you 15 things I could do with that bottle cap. Yeah. But all the other monotonous stuff that I think, like yeah. the execution, the my wife calls me the 80 percenter. <laughs> I do everything 80 percent. When I get to 81 percent, I'm bored. I'm tired. I want to move on. My brain's already moved on. Yeah. I need people to pick up that last 20 percent for me. <laughs> what funny. is it for you? It, I'm very similar to you in that respect. Yeah. But what I've been fortunate is in the last probably five or seven years, I've really begun to build this team around me that can help get the remaining 20% done. And 
in the early days, there was no other option. I mean, right. when I started High Viz, it was like me, Cam, and the dog in the garage. Like I was making circuit boards and flashlights. And then as the business grew, obviously, the, but I had no other choice back then. It was like sell the flashlight or get thrown out of your house because you can't pay rent. Or That's like, yeah. but it is important. And so, you know, I don't know what, what it is that makes me kind of push, you know, push along like that. But I've always been like super driven to get to the finish line. And sometimes, I mean, like probably like you, you get 80% done, you get bored. Yeah. But I see that finish line. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I go every morning and I'm just like ready to roll. It's discipline. So, yeah, it is. I mean, it definitely. Is. And, you know, I think my parents, you know, when I was a kid, my, uh, my dad was in high tech. He worked at Cisco Systems and did like networking and stuff. But it was always interesting that he came from a family of entrepreneurs and my um, – Oh, my, uh, sorry. So he, no, came we're from, good. We're good. We're he good. came from a family of entrepreneurs and his dad ran an insurance agency and he was like this creative crafty, like MacGyver kind of guy. And I always looked up to him and my mom's dad was in the Navy and, or, and, uh, he was always like another one. He's like very crafty. Like people were very handy. And so as I grew up, like handiness, you could turn into value and then value, you could turn into profit. Love that. And if I could go down that same path, I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately like, you know, the, what they say, the pursuit of money is the root of all evil. Well, the pursuit of money can happen if you're able to pursue greatness and then people reward you with dollars. I mean, well, it's that's like, the byproduct. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's like, okay, great. Well, profit happens, but you got to first be motivated to do it. If you do something great and you do it well, then people will pay you for it. Well, naturally, that's what I like to do. And, and what I talk a lot about too is I always talk about the value proposition. Mm. I always, I'm a firm believer you have to give more than you take. Mm. And every time you do that, you'll win. Yeah. Right? So the money aspect, if you're doing it strictly for the money, you might have some <laughs> success, right? But do you have happiness, right? Yeah. So uh, for me, it's I don't care if it's 60, 40, 70, 30, 51, 49. Yeah. As long as you put them before you, yeah, yeah. you win. Mm. We always have this, it, we have this thing called the uh, the third person golden rule at Hive is. Talk about and it. And it's all about treat our customers how they want to be treated. Not how you want to be treated, but yeah. like, you know, a lot of the people on our team aren't firefighters. A lot of them right. are, but a lot of them aren't. And those that aren't, we teach them to think and act and operate like a first responder would need to be treated if they had their perfect situation. And so the third-person code and rule makes our business interaction so much more unique because we're putting them first, and we're putting them in the way that they expect to be treated in their environment, which is different than ours. Which is exactly what I'm talking about. It, I mean, we, li- we live and breathe it every day. I remember, you know, I started Hive-Viz. I was working, like, part-time on an ambulance, making 10 bucks an hour. And yeah. uh, I loved it. It was the best job I ever had. If I could go back, all the firemen are like, oh, you know, give me the front of the hose line. I would rather an ambulance any day. But I, I always loved being in that space because – you know, when I – everything I do today, I think back about the different – I mean, whether it was a patient interaction or it was something on the truck or it was being in the fire station, you know, that time frame really kind of formulated that basis of understanding for what does a firefighter or a paramedic or somebody working in the field need in order to be successful in their environment. And if they're candidly underpaid – I think every firefighter in the nation is underpaid – then they need to have it done – like what the companies can do, businesses in general can support them – they aren't getting paid to do all the extra work, but they're asked to do it anyway. Their primary function is patient care and structure fire protection, you know, these sort of things. So if if we as a company can support them, like they just they gotta have the support because they're not getting paid to do the rest of the extra work. It's our job. A hundred percent. And so like I remember we came here in November. I my wife and uh, Paige and Lily were with me, my kids, and we stopped through to say hello, see the place, right? And so yeah. on. And I remember in that interaction, a lot of things stood out to me, but the one thing that really stood out to me, and you just mentioned that, was you told me flat out, I don't mind those 3 a.m. going to help Mrs. Smith get off the floor on a, on a, on a, uh, you know, a lift assist or something like that. 
I prefer that. I prefer that interaction with the public because we're there providing that service. They need us. Yeah. They're looking for us to be there. Not only are we there to help them get up and put them back in their bed or in the chair, but we're also there to talk to them. I always – like I call those the grandma needs a hug calls. Yeah. Right. Yes, like, yes, like yes. 90% of the time, someone – 2 a.m., someone – grandma needs yeah. a hug. Fine. Well, grandma needs a hug. Give her a freaking hug. Like I was riding one time. I won't name the fire department. I was riding with the fire department, big prominent fire department. We went out to this call. I saw these paramedics roast this lady, this old, frail woman. They roast this lady for calling 911 and wasting their resources. I'm like, you might not be getting paid a lot, but you're getting paid to be here for that old lady that yeah. needs you to show up at 2 o'clock in the morning and give her a hug. Just talk to her. Well, and I think that's where we get lost, right? I think that's where it gets muddy over time. And it is hard. It is hard when you're on the line all day long, going and going and going. You start to get that... I don't know. You start to get that feeling that it's uh, your your service that you're there originally for is starting to get lost in the yeah. shuffle, right? The priority, the the value proposition gets skewed. Yeah, I mean it does. And there's the I mean there are certainly people that abuse the system. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I've been on right. both sides of that well, deal. Like, I kind of understand it. But you know, it's like when you get on scene and you realize, hey, you just need a hug. You don't need a free an ambulance and an ER visit. You can ask the question, hey, are you just lonely? Right. And guess what? The answer, if it's yes, you can say, great. Well, I tell you what. Do you want to go to the hospital? I will stay here and talk to you if you don't, but i got to be in service in case you get another call. Right. Okay. They sign a refusal. I'm not sick. Hey, nursing home staff, I'm going to hang out here until we get banged out. Fine. You're there for an hour. You shoot the breeze. Then you go when the alarm goes off. It's like that's a way to stay in service, serve your community, and do the job well. But I think then that is – and I want to bring it back around to Hivis, right? It's like that's what this is. Grandma needs a hug hug culture at Hivis. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because our business doesn't exist for any other reason than to find those 30 seconds that firefighters need – and make those 30 seconds more impactful for the community they serve. And I did a workshop, I can't remember how long it was, a couple years ago, where we were like defining our mission statement. And our mission statement is, you know, we help first responders do their job more safely and effectively after dark so they can save lives. And that last after the comma, so they can do something, is way more important than the first half. And you think about creating a mission statement, everyone's like, we exist to make families closer. We exist to help people do whatever. And it's like, no, 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 why? And we exist... Because the people that we serve save lives, and they support the community, and they help others, and that's why we're here. And I think that ultimately that's why the fire service exists, so they can make impacts in their communities. Huge. And, and you post that mission statement on your social media all the time. Every I, week. I love it. That is why we exist. We remind our market that that's why we exist. We remind our employees that's why we exist. We say it every morning in our Monday stand-up. It's somebody has to, hey, remind us why we're here, and someone will remind us. And it's the same thing every single week. Which I think is important because most employees at most companies don't know what the company's mission statement is or even if they have one. It's a guiding principle. You know, anything. I mean, if it's like, are we going to do this podcast together? Are we going to invest in a studio? Are we going to build a new demo truck? Always go back to the mission statement. Like, not just the mission statement, but the reason we exist. Why is that the case? Well, Yes, does it help us help first responders do their job more safely? In fact, we have dark so they can save lives. We can share a story. We can help them learn something. We can help them save lives. Yes, then I'm willing to do it. And if it doesn't, like, oh, we should invent this new bracelet that you can wear. And it makes, like, remember the Silly Bands fad? I always I, use this as my business, like, example. Yeah, I have kids. I mean, I, yeah. I remember it so, well. So Silly Bands don't help anybody do anything. They were fun. The owners made a lot of money. The end. The fire tech brand is not going to get into the bracelet business because, yeah, we can make a lot of money if we invented the next fad, but it doesn't help people save lives. And that's our mission. I love that. So talk to me about the company. Talk to me. I mean, you know, I got a little bit of background, the handiness, right? But I'll, I'll share a quick story with you because I think that this is what's important and what is missing more and more, right? Mm. Is that uh, a buddy of mine, his son is in college and he told me the other day, he's like, I failed. And I said, why is that? He said, because my son wanted to put a ski rack up in his dorm room, but you can't drill into the wall. And so he had to figure out how to put his skis <laughs> to hang 
and he had to build out this thing with two by fours and put a compression fitting in to press oh, the yeah. corner into the wall so it <laughs> won't fall it. over. Yeah, yeah. His son didn't know how to use a drill. Oh, no. So think about this, though, because <laughs> this is not uncommon nowadays, right? We're not teaching those skills, right? The tinkering skills, the learning for yourself skills, oh, right? Yeah. And so I think that's important. It speaks to who you are because we were just talking about it before. You have your own welding equipment here. You have you still guy, tinker every single day, right? Did the guys tell you I taught a welding lesson. A couple no, weeks ago. no, 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 no. I had Spencer, our videographer, and I had some of the sales guys. I was like, "Hey, come on outside, guys. I'm going to show you how this works." And they're like, "What? You guys want to learn how to weld? You know, and they, we welded this trailer together. So we go to a trade show, and it was awesome. You know, it is awesome. But it speaks to. When we come here today, we had lunch before we hopped in the studio. Last time I was here, we got here first thing in the morning, and you did your, like, Friday morning lineup or Monday. I forget what day it was. I think it was, like, Thursday or Friday, whatever, or Monday. I think it was a Monday. And you guys did, like, your weekly lineup where everybody sat around and talked about what they had going for the week. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not a report card. You know, we do that because right. it, it makes sense that everyone's on the same page. It's like in the firehouse. You do shift change. Well, you also got to share, hey, what's going on today? Oh, this rig's out of service. This is important. Hey, by the way, I'm working on this. Oh, yeah, over at training, this station's doing this, so just be aware. Five out of service today, so if we get banged out in that area, you guys are first 100%. Too. Hey, it matters. So we kind of share that data here in the business, and it's, I mean, honestly, a lot of what we've learned here, that we do here, are things that I learned in the fire service. I love that. And it's, I mean, that's one of the oldest businesses what, in the world, is the fire for, service. For sure, and, I, and I, I agree, because everything that I talk about in my real world outside of the firehouse, I relate back to firefighting. It's the same type of thing, right? Oh, yeah. So here's a question for you, then. As you guys are growing, because you guys are growing, and you're growing quickly, I mean, you know, and I don't even know that from a business perspective. I know that as a, a guy that's in the fire apparatus with our apparatus innovation content and all that, mm. your product's everywhere, and it, it's only consuming the market more and more. <laughs> and I know why, and I want to hop into some of that, too. I want to hop yeah. into your marketing and, and how you put yourself out there and take ownership of your product and build that brand. I mean, those are all really important conversations. But I want to talk about the growth real quick because yeah. I know how important culture is yeah. to you, yeah, 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 to your company, to your brand. I know your hiring practices are very strict. They are. You look for the right people for the right job. Right, and you'll yep. search high and low to find them. <laughs> For right, a very long time. These, unfortunately, it'll take forever, but we do. But you're scaling quickly. We are. Are you feeling any of those growing pains where it's like, man, I don't want to lose that part of the culture. I I got to make sure that we stay in line with our values of what got you here. As you're bringing more and more people on, yeah, it becomes a little more challenging. I would assume as you scale. There is a tremendous amount of pressure in the world today to try and do as everybody does. You know, right. it's like whatever that is. And you know, I bring it back to the question you asked me earlier. I, we always have been, at least at my leadership, I beat to my own tune. Like that's we're going yep. down this path. This is where we're going. Right. Not because I think I know better, but it's just different. No, I get it. And so as we look at what made the fire tech brand and still continues to make the fire tech brand um, different for firefighters, why are people gravitating towards the business? Why are we we've been growing at forty percent year over year or more for I'm the last scared. seven years? Yeah, it's like absurd. That. Yep. So as we look at that, what fuels it is we approach the market different. The third person golden rules. Like everybody can speak to that. Yep. The way that we treat our culture and our hire. I mean, the hiring process, it takes like six months to get a job here. And 90% of the applicants, even during COVID, when we're paying people to find us applicants, we turn down. Right. And, you know, there's pressure to say, oh, yeah, well, we'll we'll just make a modification of this rule and we'll let you come work for us. Or, like I tell people all the time, we're a work from work company. You can either work from work or if you want to work from home, you can work for someone else. Like it's that simple. So that. when we're interviewing and we're like outwardly searching for people to come join our team, we know that community is really important to what makes our brand successful because we share, because we work together. Because earlier today, Elena, who does some of our customer service order entry, had a technical question from a dealer about voltage on this one type of light mixture. 
throws it over to an engineer. Engineer throws it over to me. We powwow out it, solved it. Customer gets an answer. It was 10 minutes. Customer's yep. got an answer. Yep. It's not like, oh, here, let me slack it to we'll Jane. We'll call you back. I'll forward an email. We'll probably know in 48 hours. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Thanks for buying our product. I heard yesterday. I was at a truck manufacturer this week, and I literally heard someone say, well, I generally expect to hear a response within 30 days. That's outrageous. And I was like, 30 days? Yeah. Like, no wonder it takes two years to build a yeah. fire truck. It, i got to get back to you in 30 minutes. That's exactly right. It's like, right. It, and, and if nothing else, it's like, hey, what do you, what, what's the immediate problem? Okay, can I solve something? Of, can I solve 10% of it? Can I at least get your truck down the line? And our people have been taught, you know, the way that we interact with people. I mean, there's a training on how to answer the phone at HiViz, and it's answer with a smile. You can't see someone answering the phone with a smile, but you can hear it. Absolutely. And if you talk to someone and you treat them like a person, you understand their issue. You know what? You know to kind of get back to your question of like, so how does it scale? Yeah. Well, it's being extremely intentional about the things that we're willing to be flexible on and the things that we're not willing to be flexible on. And some of those things that we're not willing to be flexible on, candidly, make it really difficult to recruit and retain talent that can get behind the mission. And our team today is like one of the most unique teams anywhere in the industry because every one of them. It's firing on all cylinders in each location. I mean, like stragglers, like you can't keep up. Like right, thoroughbreds running packs, and yep. and donkeys don't run with them. And so we, we <laughs> like to, that. yeah, 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 yeah. So like we like to build this team of thoroughbreds, and everyone on the team is just like they all make us look great. But you empower them. That's the process. The process is you bring in the right people who want to work on the mission of the company, believes yeah. in the mission, loves the culture, and that culture fuels their passion to do more. Yeah. to be better. It's important that they know not just the end game, but the people that they interact with. I mean, at FDIC this year, we brought a, a broad team. We brought right. people from marketing, from graphics, mechanical, I mean, engineering that normally wouldn't interact with people at a trade show. And we brought each of these different disciplines to the show so that they could experience, like, you need to reckon, that fire truck there is going to be called on to save somebody's life on their worst day. Right. And if your job is done well, that light fixture will not be the problem that's, that prevents the issue, whatever the thing is. And so when our afterwards, we did like kind of this post-show debrief. And so many of our team members were like, I just really had never seen the impact of the work we do. Because in this building, I don't know if, I guess you can't see it on the podcast, but there's no inventory in this building. Right. Our inventory is in Seattle. That's where we do all of our processing. We do some machine works. But the inventory doesn't live here. This team is sales, some of the sales team. It's all of the marketing, our video studio, our media department, all the graphic stuff. It's all of our early stage R&D engineering. And then it's executive management. It's my office as well. And so what it's not is production, it's not product, it's not all that stuff happens in other facilities that are dedicated to that process right. where you know we can't have the same flexibility in a production warehouse that we have in this facility where you know we start at 9, we have people meetings throughout the day, there's not a specific lunch break time that you have to like it's this is a very fluid environment. Sure. And in a production warehouse, hey, the UPS man's coming at 4:30. That's so right. You got to be boxes on trucks at 4:30. So you get here at 8, you work your KPIs, your metrics are based on this gun, it's way more rigorous. And there's ways to treat and build and cultivate those team cultures and personalities as well. But it's different than this office, which is this almost like a Googleplex, like a creative space. I get space. it. Yeah, it's I get fun. It. So, so a little backstory, right? One of my uh, favorite things now in, in the last four years of, of building National Fire Radio, right, was uh, entrusting some of your people to me for a few days, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we did – we had a, a fantastic – Road trip back in February of this past year. Yeah. Uh, COVID, We're still getting content out of that. It's COVID so fun. winding down, you know, so yeah. finally we wanted to get on the road. And, uh, you know, Chelsea and Spencer and Lee, yeah. um, they came along for like a three-day whirlwind, like five-state tour. <laughs> yeah. We did fire companies. We did career and volunteer. We did um, – uh, what did we do? We did uh, the shops at two different yeah, locations. Yeah, that's right. That's Prince right. George's County, Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah. We are in Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, 
Connecticut, New Jersey, New York. I mean, we're like we crushed yeah. in literally three days. I think they were out for like five days, but yeah. I got I got to spend with uh, Sebi. We got to spend three days with them, and I, I guess where I'm going with that was it was an incredible experience. Not just I for me, like mm. I I really enjoyed it because. I love sharing the knowledge and experiences that I have with other people so that they really see how incredible the fire service really is, right? And you meet all walks of life, all different types of departments and and people that are using your product from the end user to the people that are installing to the people that are doing retrofits to, Mm. you know, the people that are buying the product, right? So we were able to have all those interactions too. But what was fun was working with your team that was incredibly green. Oh, yeah. They have no concept <laughs> of, or I should say, they didn't really have much of a concept of what the fire service was, how to interact, how Many to... Many of that team had never been to, I mean, at that point, hadn't been to a trade show or anything. Right. They were just brand new. Right. And so for me, that was a lot of fun because I, you know, I've been navigating this landscape for quite a long time now. So it was fun <laughs> to bring them along and kind of, you know, kind of show them the ropes a little bit. And, yeah. um, and I valued that trip very much. And I still, awesome. uh, I still appreciate that opportunity, but... Where I'm going with this lead-in is that it was very obvious that they were newer members of your team. I was going to say employees. They're not employees. They're members of your team, right? Yeah. I, like, and, but you could watch their response and how much respect they had for what they were doing, who they were talking to. Mm. And then also it shown through them the, how important your culture was mm. because they acted in such a way. That's so good to hear. And yeah. No, but, but, it's it's, but it's 100% accurate because yeah. – I've been out with other guys, and they could turn it on and turn it off, and it wasn't a lifestyle for them. It oh, yeah. was it was like, okay, 8 to 5 today. This is my, you know, <laughs> okay, yeah, great, whatever you need. And then at, at 501, they're like, let's get out of here. Like, it wasn't the case like that. Yeah. And it was, it was really, I think, what you've instilled into them and mm. through the culture of high-vis and fire tech is – Really, what that's about? A lot of that is honestly, it's it's finding people that are motivated. Because like, you can't motivate. Pe- I guess you can't motivate people, but you right. can't make someone nice. You can hire a nice person, and so you can't make someone switched on. But you can hire a switched on person. You can teach them lights. You can teach them fire trucks. Yep. But when we've been looking for new hires, there's like all this stuff about like, oh yeah, you know, it's it's the employees market, and you got to do everything. It's like we still want to select the best employees in the world, and if we can't find them, then the position remains open. And so the people that we have selected to fill the roles that we have in our business are the best. Like, not one position in our building has someone that's not performing at, like, their – I mean, okay, so everyone's in varying levels. I get people, it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it, when you look at that category, whether it's marketing, it's sales, it's engineering, like, these are the best of the best in those segments. And when they come into our team, they're not only, like, good at their specific craft. Like, okay, if you need a mechanical engineer to run SolidWorks, great. You can run SolidWorks. But do you also get excited about what you do? Do you also get excited about our end user? Can you deal with our team – I mean, you look at like, you know, Chelsea's our marketing director and she's actually watching, but it's really yeah. funny. She's, <laughs> so, she is so into like, there's this term MarTech, marketing technology, and like so into the algorithms and so into the technology and so into the network. So when I'm like, hey, you know, my, we have a goal to beat Jeremy at TikTok before you show up for the yeah, show, yeah, which yeah. we're doing. But well, I know. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother look, story. I don't even want to hop into that. No, I'm huh? kidding. But uh, we are. But, uh, but I am telling you a serious story. So she not only was like, oh, no, I, I want to do this, but it was like every inch of her body was dedicated to yeah. learning that algorithm, finding out, reaching out to influencers, all, like, how do you do, what is this thing, what can I learn? It's like, you can't just force someone to right. be that excited. But every day when I get to the office, like, screenshots, of t- hey, respond to this one, hey, here's some story. And it's like, holy shit, I'm playing with, like, a Division One athlete here that's on it to win, and she's fully motivated. And I can tell stories about every employee ha- having done something similar in their respective craft. And as I'm kind of, like, 
shepherding this pack of people through the industry, it's really an interesting position to be in where it's like, I see division one athletes in every one of our employees. And that is a really cool thing to get to watch from my seat because I can't do, right. I can't do what she right. does. I can't do what our Whitaker's our director of engineer. We call him baby genius. This dude can count to infinity, <laughs> like smartest guy I've ever met in my life. And it's like, I used to have to do everything back 10 years ago when I was making circuit boards, I was literally like soldering the traces and making the boards. I can't even keep these guys were in a conversation this week about like, you know, I don't even know what can message bite structures. I'm like, Listen, man, I, can yeah. you do it? That's all I know about can, you know? And can I get, can I get, can I get you a drink? Can I get you yeah, a lunch? Exactly. Like, so that's where I am. it's yeah. fun to watch that, though, because, you know, you think about scaling. Of course. And in order to scale, you got to have people that can do more than just the sum of the group. And the people that we have on the team today are just so unique and so good at what they do that it makes me look and feel really good to be a part of it. Yeah, I can teach the process. I can teach the product. I can't teach the person. Yeah, exactly. They got to exactly have right. it or they don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. How did we get – you talk about Chelsea. She's watching us in the booth right now, right? Hey. I, I spent a couple of days with her. I've gotten to know her. We chat all the time, yeah. right? Really impressed by her. Yeah. Most companies don't look at when, – when they're looking at marketing, they're looking at, oh, let's produce a flyer. Let's do a trade <laughs> show, right? Yeah. Like this traditional nonsense, no return on your dollar type marketing yeah, that, that plagues, ad, that plagues our industry. Yeah, yeah. Let's, put a, let's put a print ad on page 17. Yeah. And nobody looks at it, and we feel good about it, and we ask slap and high five that, you know, we did a great job Dude, that month, right? I used to get harassed. I remember when I first started, I used to get harassed every day, like, oh, you could put a business card size ad in whatever fire local journal. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I need to come up with $10,000 to run the dumbest ad that no one's going to see. I remember finally scrounging the money to run a business card size ad 10 years ago, and I ran it. And you know how many phone calls I received? None. Zero. Not a single one. And right. it was just like, wait, what? That. Everyone talks about, like, that's the marker of success. It's like, you know, likes or, or followers of vanity metric, but engagement is really what matters. 100%. So you look at, oh, yeah, but I can give you 100 million impressions. Well, yeah, if I go to the zoo, I can get 100 million eyeballs on something I'm doing. But guess what? <laughs> None of those guys are buying. Yeah. Like, I got to go to the right place so what? So what pushed you then? What made you realize? I mean, you know, we talked about kind of that entrepreneurial spirit, that tinkering that you have, that mm. – pushed you to really figure out every step along the way and and so on that self-drive that internal drive you have but when it comes to marketing savvy when mm. it comes to understanding attention because that's really what it is yeah where did that push come from for you to understand that that ten thousand dollar business card ad is bs <laughs> yeah, and, it's literally I can, the biggest waste and how can i get a much better return on that 10k versus just throwing it to the wind because mm. this is the problem that plagues our industry today yeah you and i could sit here right I run a social media and podcast <laughs> platform, and we've been able to create a brand new space that didn't exist. Yeah. Four years ago, four and a half years ago, when we started National Fire Radio, I started it on the premise that people were missing the mark. Yep. And then you pop along, and I go, holy shit, this guy's right. Totally different <laughs> segment, yeah. but your marketing brain and attention savvy is very similar to mine. That's why I think we get along so well, right? Well, you spent time at Firehouse, right? I'm like, you know yeah, the way the fire station right. works. I remember sitting on the recliner, scrolling Facebook, watching videos, and slapping, like, oh, look at this place. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Fire station. It's like, oh, well, so, you know what I didn't do when I was sitting in the fire station? Like, go on and look for a business card side ad and some, 100%. that didn't happen. Right. And so, you know, when I entered the space, I think there's a couple things that are different yeah. and that influence what we do. No secret, many of the businesses in the fire truck space are run by people who are much older than I am, you know, like three times sometimes. And uh, when I look at, when I entered the space, I mean, I grew up with a cell phone and with a laptop. I mean, that was part of my every day. 
And so when I look at how do I communicate with people who are my age, who's buying fire trucks? It's 22 to 50 year old guys. I mean, gals, but primarily our demographic is so specific that it's like, oh, I see me and everybody in the space. Where do I want to consume media? Yeah. And so I look at like, yeah, I mean, like I, I use the phone and I use the computer and those are extensions of my hand, extensions of my being. And then I think about like, okay, well, what can I do that's more valuable than just like an ad doesn't tell me anything. A picture is worth a thousand words, but a video is worth a thousand pictures. Amen. And so yeah. we started shooting videos and people would ask like, oh, you know, why? And the question why is my favorite question in the world because it gives you the opportunity to then educate a little more than just like, oh, you know, this light's great, whatever. And, and you can dive into the details. You can get down to the nerdy. And then you can ask the question back, well, what matters to you? Right. But if you're not in this engaging back and forth, a print ad is static. It's like the second it's printed, the obsolescence curve in technology today is 18 months. Bam. And a lot of times this t these print ads, when you design the ad and you finally get it to the publisher, they finally print it, it's six or eight months old. That's half the obsolescence curve of the product that you're developing. And so, like, my iPhone's old after a year and a half. My computer's old after a year and a half. And if you're in that space, you can't move at the speed of print media. And so I've always had this, you know, desire to be in the multimedia space. Yeah, so it's 100%. like, and, you know, and, and it's not to say those places are, you know, not worth spending time and money on, but honestly, as a business, I got to be more creative because our competitors are way bigger than we are. Yep. And, you know, as we're growing in the space, we started with the headlights and the brow light, the leading edge of the fire truck cab. You know why we did that? Because every truck that's printed in a trade publication is usually photographed from the front. So when you look at a picture of, and if you walk into a fire station and see a picture of their truck, the guy's standing in front of the truck. <laughs> so if I want to capitalize on oh opportunity. I didn't even thought of that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100% why yeah. didn't we start with compartment lights? Because the compartment doors are closed. Right. That's why. Because yeah. nobody sees them. Right. And you know, I watched this interesting doco on WeWork the other day, and the guy was like, this guy's telling them, real estate, real estate, real estate. And the guy's like, you know, it's not about what you can see from your real estate. It's about who can see you. Right. And so in the fire tech brand in our early days, it was who can see us? Well, I can't afford a $60,000 cover page story in Fire Whatever magazine. But if I can develop a relationship with the customer who's being featured by the manufacturer in the $60,000 ad, and I have the leading edge of the apparatus cab, guess who now has an ad on the front of the magazine? You didn't have to pay for it. That's right. The Fire Tech when we started, we, had, we did not have the money 10 years ago to be able to, to even begin entertaining those spaces. And so it was developed the best product for the best areas, put them on the parts of the truck that mattered, that had the maximum impact, and then blanket the industry with multimedia so that people began to learn and understand the why, if we can answer the question why, then the marketing would follow behind it. And all the people that were paying for print ads, I mean, like the truck manufacturers don't choose the lights to go on the truck, the customers do. So That's influence correct. the customers. Yep. That's always been our, not just influence them, but educate them and build them what they need, and then they're going to choose your stuff. Do you find that being, you know, you mentioned some of the competition has been established for a very long time, mm. much larger companies, right? Yeah. So on. It's kind of like that that uh, that uh, conversation about steering a battleship ver or cruise ship versus you know like a dinghy, right? Like, yeah. you know, to be able to pivot and move, it takes them a very long time to do so. Whereas for you guys, with your team and the mm. endorsement that you put into your people, you allow for you guys can call an audible, and within three hours, that audible is in action. Like it's it's or immediately after that call, or you feel that hey, we need to pivot right now. Yeah, you can. We absolutely can't. You know, and I think, like, others probably could. They could. But, they could. But there is you – know, I don't know if complacency is the word because there are some really phenomenal companies in our space. For and, sure. You know, I think that as we built the business, one of our core tenets of building the business was flexibility and being nimble and being really, really agile and aggressive when we needed to be, but agile also. So, like, naturally, when you have a blank slate, you can write whatever you want on it. But when many of these guys have inherited the business from their dad who inherited it from their dad, like, it's a 300-year-old business or a – 100-year-old business or whatever the number of years is. It's older than I am. And so 
they don't have the opportunity to start with a blank slate. They've got to take and shift something that already exists. And, you know, like even when we entered the lighting space, I mean, everyone made lights. I don't know if you know this, but the shape of every other LED scene light in the industry is a, it's like a rectangle. Yeah. Right. You know why it's a rectangle? Because the light bulbs used to be 12 inches long. They were uh, halogen light bulbs. Got it. And so everyone always saw, well, that's what I got to do. Well, they entered the market. They had tooling for halogen light bulbs. We never had tooling for any bulbs. We just started and said, oh, the leading edge of the apparatus cab is 72 inches long or whatever the length of the cab is. We should build a light that's that long. Oh, LEDs make sense. Oh, let's build them this way because that solves the problem. It was a blank piece of paper I could write, write on to lay out exactly what was needed versus trying to steer the ship and steer the company to develop something after the fact. And so, you know, being a new business in the space has actually been advantageous. Sure. Even, like you think about like, oh, man, it's you know, you're, you're the underdog going against some large companies. Well, that's the space. I mean, fine. But I also am not the underdog in the sense that I don't have so much baggage and dead weight attached. 100%. I can just get where we need to go much faster. Nor do you care what they're doing. Like too often we're worried about the competition. <laughs> you know what I don't do? I don't really ever talk about the competition because I don't care. Yeah. You know, it's I got to be too focused on my own. Uh, our shareholders are the customers. Right. And ultimately, it's like that's who decides whether or not you choose a FireTech product in the fire truck. It's not. Do you know who doesn't say that? Else. Huh? No one. <laughs> Nobody talks like that. Well, I mean, ultimately, the firefighter on the road at 2 o'clock in the morning, that was me. I was that guy. I yeah. had a million-dollar fire truck. had every bell and whistle you could have on it, and I was still working in the dark. And so what happens is as a business becomes larger and larger, and oftentimes this happens in publicly traded businesses, but even if it's privately held businesses that have PE backing or that have other investor backing, it's like, what is the CEO doing in the business? They are protecting the interests of the investors of the 100%. business. And so if protecting the interests of the investors means killing off a product line because it's not profitable enough or whatever on the balance sheet, well, maybe that's the only manufacturer that makes that one part that solves that problem. And maybe someone's going to rely on that. So can I do it without losing money? Because business has to make money, obviously, or else you go out sure. of business. But can I do it to the point where I'm now advancing the mission of the industry? I'm not adding dead weight. And I'm ultimately accountable to the person on the side of the road at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, yes, if we have a business structure like we have. And I'm not saying that others can't do that, but I don't have a shareholder nagging in my ear saying, oh, I really wish you'd get into the automotive space. It's way, way bigger blue ocean to sail on in the automotive space. I know that. I know there are way more Kenworths and Freightliners on the road every day than there are fire trucks. And our 4x6 headlight would fit in a Freightliner and a Kenworth. But the 4x6 headlight and a Freightliner and a Kenworth, it's a different product than what the firefighter needs. He's driving a slower distance or a slower, you know, like a slower response speed to a shorter distance. Who's going to be on scene at idle? There's no airflow over the headlight. We designed a headlight to work in that environment. And yeah, it's too expensive for a Kenworth and a Freightliner. And I could sell 500 times the number of them in the other markets if I would drive the cost down. But if I drove the cost down, it would sacrifice quality. And the quality is something that the firefighter needs in order to be able to rely on it at 2 o'clock in the morning. So we have a very large percentage of the fire truck market because we built a headlight that's designed for a fire truck. And we built a business designed for the fire truck market. And so we're profitable. We're scalable. I love it. We're working hard. And it's overall, it's, it's a winning game plan. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that right there, the last three minutes of anything that we just talked about, you just crushed it with what, what you are and who you are. Let's talk about that a little bit more, too. Is this <laughs> yeah. all you are? Like, do no. you live, do you eat, breathe, and sleep this company? Well, and the pro- No, I'm serious. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a good you know we're, you got to be able to turn it off a little bit, too. Yeah. You have to, right? Like, you know, I know that you, you know, you are an outdoorsy type of guy and this area of North Carolina is absolutely beautiful where you it live. Is. It's beautiful. And so on. So like what beautiful dog, beautiful wife, right? <laughs> like you have a, you just have, you seem to really have a, a lot for yourself. Mm. And I think that's incredibly important because that's probably what that fuel is that pushes you to work as hard as you do. Mm. But you got to find a little time for yourself. No, you know, I do. I mean, I think it's fair. Do you ever talk about it? 
I do. You know, my wife and I talk about it all the time. Where Good. there's like there's a need to switch off, and I I think actually between the two of us, I switch off a lot better than she does. Okay, because I am either a hundred percent in or I'm a hundred percent out, like right. on anything. I get it. And so the switch is much more binary. I very rarely switch the switch off, but when I do switch the switch off, I mean I switch it hard. Like when I go to dinner, I will just not even take my. Phone. I don't want. I don't give a shit what's on fire. Yeah. Make sure someone else has got the phones. Right. And then I turn the phone off or whatever you know whatever the story is. And I think. You know, it, it is hard because I do love what I do. And I don't, candidly, I figure in my role and in our growth stage today, what I need to be doing to serve the broader industry and to serve my relationship with my, my wife and the you know, employees we have here is to be here. And at some point, that might change. Yeah. It's not changing anytime soon. Yeah. But I, I generally love to be here. But And that's what I was just going to say. What it's, else would I do, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've had people come in every day, you know, and, and like – They'll say, hey, you know, we're with this firm or that firm. We'd love to do something. And, like, okay, sure, we, we have the conversations. I always want to know what's going on. I always kind of want to know the Of course. The like, you want to know where, where I you love stand. conversation. Conversation's great. Yeah, but it's like, okay, ultimately, whatever we're looking at in our long-range plan is it how do we get to the goal versus, right. like, just what's the check doing for us? And so I think about where do I like to spend my time? I like to be at work. I like to be serving public safety markets. I like to be working with our employees. Now, I do enjoy other things. I mean, you think about – you know, I, I uh, when I'm not at work, I like to tinker. I've always been in the automotive space. I like to right. tinker. I like to work with the computer. I mean, I think family is important. I really enjoy my family. I like to travel. My wife is from Australia, Kayoma. Yep. So yep. she's, yeah, she's from Australia. And I love traveling down there and seeing you know, people there. But I always like to weave business in. Sure. Because what do I like to do? If you make up my DNA, part of what I like to do is business. That's what I'm and doing so, here. Yeah, it's like, all right. Like if, my wife and kids are with me. And I'm just like, I'm going to duck in for a couple podcasts and a couple conversations. That's and uh, why don't you go downtown? Spend some money. I'll be down there in a little while. That's exactly right. And if you can weave those sorts of things in, I have a really good work-life balance. I work a lot, and I love doing what I do. And so yeah, then when good. I need to switch off, I can. But it's – Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, I think the reason why I wanted to ask that question, right, it wasn't just to be like, oh, I like to go hiking, and, you know, I like uh, Chinese food. Like, <laughs> yeah. the point of that is is that you – your personality is uh, – I don't want to say it's consuming. Mm. Like, you know, and people see you and in, in with your brand and putting yourself out there on your multimedia platforms mm. that you recognize the importance of taking the ownership of the brand and the company, right? And signing yourself to that. You're an overwhelming person. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way possible. You well, command you. attention when you walk in the room. People know who you are. I'm... I think this is why you and I get along very well. I'm very similar in, in regards. Like, I lose my voice every day at trade shows and <laughs> talking to people thing. because I'm yeah. constantly on the go. But yeah. it's not an act. Mm. Like, we are truly passionate. I, I know I am. And speaking yeah. with you today and seeing what you've built here and what mm. you do and the people that support you, this is who you are. So it is your life. And so yeah. when people are like, oh, that guy, see, you see that guy, Sam? He's crazy. He's over the top. I'm like, 100% <laughs> over the top? And it's 100% authentic. Yeah. The guy doesn't turn it off. I do have people ask sometimes, you know, like. Is it an act? It, it, seriously. Yeah. I, mean, I, like, yeah. I used to get, when I would come, I used to be in the professional water skiing industry. I wasn't that good at it, but I was around that community all the time. And my wife and I met there. But, you know, I would show up to, like, the first fire demos, like, in sandals and board shorts. I love that. People yeah. would be like, who the hell is this guy? And then yeah. I start talking about lighting and talking about the fire service. And they'd be like. That is not what I expected. And then I, you know, I would explain kind of the early days, but I mean, I wouldn't do that today. Maybe I would do that today. Yes, yeah, sure. But, you know, early, early days business. But it was fun because it'd be like, hey, you know, these are the experiences that I've had in my, in my personal life. I guess to answer your question before, too, I like, I'm a fireman in town. This yeah, is a volunteer right, fire station. I love right. it. And when I think about those experiences and then I talk, whether it's on the fire truck or it's in business or it's in whatever, I like to be fully engaged in it. Mm -hmm. And people do ask, like, uh, does Sam switch us on and off? And I mean, it's, there is one state. I mean, like, I'm usually the same way. 
regardless. I very freq- infrequently get mad at people. Right. I mean, people irritate me, sure, like they do everybody. But there really is, like, I don't have time to be two-faced. It's, there's, not, there's, there's way too many other things that I could be doing than being two-faced. Just do what you do. You can't build what you're building. You can't manage the platform you manage or, the, or run the business you run with the tempo that you do if you weren't authentic in who you were 24 hours a day. I, I agree. I, and, but, you know, it's hard because in a, you know, it's hard to talk about yourself. But when I think about, you know, what motivates our people, I can't ask our people to do the things that I ask them to do if I'm right. not willing to do it with them. 100%. And in anything, whether it's multimedia production or it's in engineering or it's in design or it's in whatever. I mean, like, I'm not as good at any of those things as any of our people are. But I'll stand there next to them. If, hey, we got to get here early in the morning to get it done. I'll be here at 5. Oh, I mean, like, that is part of leading a team that anybody needs to do in any business. But I think it's something that – you know, is instrumental to the way that we operate is that I can't ask someone to do something that I'm not at least willing to try with them or at least to support them in. And if we do that well, then naturally then they're, you know, they're better off. They're able to do it better because someone's there alone, you know? Yeah. So when does, when does Sam sit back in his chair, lean back, smile, and think about the success that you've had? Do you do that? Do you realize the impact that you're making do you come back from your trip from the last truck manufacturer that you were just at for a whirlwind 48 hour meeting or you just got back from a conference and everybody's like sam we love your lights like oh they're on the truck like and you're looking around and your product is prevalent in the industry now Mm. do you ever take that thirty thousand foot view where you sit back and you just look down on everything and go all right like have you had that moment or do you take those little slices of moments to go, wow, like it's pretty awesome. You know, it's, that's actually a really funny question because I can think of a million times where I should have done that. Right. Or maybe not should have, but where it's like, I just left this fire truck manufacturer this week and it was, I mean, it was really cool. I was walking, we had some new partners with us, walking yeah. the line and there was stuff everywhere. Yeah. But when I got back, I was like, you know what I noticed? I noticed all the trucks that didn't have our stuff on them. Yep. And I noticed and I remembered the times that I was sitting in the bays waiting on a warranty part for so, a valve or a light or whatever. And I thought about, you know, I could make the firefighter who I think misspecked that truck, but he specked that fire truck. <laughs> that stuff on, I could make their life better. What town is that? I, if I, could I better just, give them a phone yeah, call. If I could yeah. just meet them and do right, something yeah, with yeah, them, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so, you know, like I feel like honestly I probably should at some time. Like, oh, yeah, this is great. But, but I get so hungry when I see that there's more to do that I maybe I let that cloud my – judgment but that that's what drives me honestly sure, is like i get it i i'm just i refuse to accept that the way that people are treated by other companies in this space is an allowable or acceptable thing for a public ser- servant who's dedicated their life to making the community safer and better to experience and so until we have had the opportunity and people may not like us that's fine but until we've had the opportunity to touch and meet and interact with the entire industry i'm not willing to accept that our business is done doing what we're doing and so no i don't sit back and think it's great i think there's more to do Bam. I, I, yes, but please do me a favor. <laughs> take, take a moment every once in a while and reflect upon the impact you've made, the friendships you've made, because for me, that's my selfish part of what I do is there are times – I didn't used to do it until probably more lately now. I do mm-hmm. it more often where I sit back and think about that experience or that weekend or that trade show or that conference I went to and I think about the memories and I kind of catalog those friendships and memories mm. and stories. And, and then I think to myself, like, regardless of the bottom line, regardless of if it's in the red or in the black, I don't care. It's the <laughs> storytelling. It's the experiences for me. And 
just don't lose sight of that because I, I know you won't lose sight of that. I want you to just focus on that sometimes. Yeah. Because those stories, man, I, I tell you, they fuel me. That's mm. what fuels me, right? Is the experience. Yeah. And and I think that most people lose track of that or they don't enjoy the process. Yeah. They don't enjoy the experience enough. And so it just becomes this black and white thing for them. And for me, man, I'm as gray as it gets. Like, I want to <laughs> I wanna experience the highs and lows and the stories and, and yeah. the experiences. And so just take a half a second every once in a while and just reflect on yourself because I think you should. And I think <laughs> well, I from that. an outsider looking in and, and really getting to know you and the team and seeing what you guys have built here, um, you have every every right to just take a half a second for yourself and uh, maybe with Kaoma <laughs> and just say, like, damn, like, you know? Well, we're, I we're doing something that. here, you yeah, know. Thank you. It's very cool. Well, excellent, man. Well, yeah, it's an interesting perspective to hear others in the space, you know, talk about our business. Yeah. I mean, so frequently we get tunnel vision, and hundred percent. Maybe it's not tunnel vision, but we're just we're so involved that it's uh, yeah, it's something I appreciate that. I think it's really nice to hear, and it's and it's good and, and from the heart. So, and I get it because I'm always like going back right full circle to the beginning of this conversation about eighty percenters. Like, for me, I'm already moved on. Like, I'm done with you already. I want to move on. Like, when this conversation's over already in my world, I'm moving on already. Yeah. Like, like, we don't sit still. Yeah. And so, for me, it's like, if I don't take that half a second and remember that experience, everything else that's in front of me, the next 47 line items that I want to get through in the next 12 hours, yeah. I'm going to forget about this. So, I got to take that half a second and remember it. It's important for me. Um, and so on. So, anyway, that's just a little bit about how I, I envision things. But... Man, it, that's what it's like, man. It's it's constantly pushing forward. It's mm. the excitement of it. What's next, right? I love process. Yeah. I know you love process. I watched one of your TikTok <laughs> videos uh, last night. We were like, we, we stayed over last night in a hotel, and it's funny because I was like, we're just getting one room. My two kids were in one bed. My wife and I are in another bed. All we did was like watch TV for an hour, fall asleep after dinner, right? We didn't get oh, yeah. until late. And so on. So I'm like, we're just piling into one room. So it's funny, like, looking at today, like, you'd think we'd all watch TV, but we're on our phones, and we're all looking at stuff. And <laughs> I'm kind of, like, looking you up a little bit, just looking at some of your content, you know, and so on. And you were talking about, uh, in Seattle, you were talking about, like, how the equipment's kept. And, like, oh, I don't so need cool. a socket set. I need a 12-millimeter socket. I don't need the whole set. Oh, you watched that video? Oh, yeah, on the Six right? Sigma deal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so, like, to me, that speaks volumes to who you are. It's mm. process. Process is important. I don't think process get and and falling in love with the process. Yeah, like understanding that the process will make us better, and we need to spend as much time on the process as we do on the product, as we do as, as mm. on our people. I think it's a it's true. The only caveat I would add is that process people so frequently you you put a process together. And then you lock it and throw away the key. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then never right. come back to it. It's right. like, hey, wait, that process worked. When we were 12 people, that process That's worked. That's right. When you look at the global org, there's 250 people or 500 people globally that work on the stuff that we make. A 12-person process doesn't scale. You can't do that when you, when you change. And so being willing to come back to that lockbox, open it up, grenade it if you have to or tweak it if you have to, and allowing your team to be kind of the guardians of that to say, hey, this doesn't fit anymore, 
I do love process. Yeah. I have flexible processes that you have to be, can flexible. be adjusted as you grow. But yeah. that's also a manager that that is lives in a real world and listens to his people because <laughs> you got Spencer behind a glass over here that's taking care of all this today, the production, all this, right? Yeah. And he's like, Sam, this part doesn't really work anymore. Like we need we should really look at it this way. Nope, process is this. This is what we do. No, you gotta be flexible. Like this is the guy yeah. in the trenches. <laughs> What's the guy in the trenches need? Like I wanna support him. And that's what good management does. And and when I relate it from business to the firehouse to the floor of the bay yeah like a good boss is a good boss yeah yeah absolutely you know you think about it's funny the fire service is where i, I love all the analogies that go back to the fire yeah. service yeah, i always yeah, tell yeah. people like a plan a backup and a backup of the backup you gotta have it for everything i don't give a shit if it's for the podcast or if it's for anything if it's for my email today it's for my airplane everything so i think about these lessons that i've learned in the fire service when you think about process you know originally the process we don't wear an air pack well, the materials changed. So the process those. changed. It yeah. had to. Yeah. So you think about like, so all these things in the fire service, it's like you can relate any story in modern business back to something that occurred. Because the fire service has been around for so long. It's like, oh, okay, well, we've done things the same way forever and ever and ever. And it's like, well, yeah, but the way you did things might remain constant. Well, now the environment's changed. So now you've had to change the match changing environment. And we do the same thing in business. You have to have a process. you got to have your plan, your backup, and your backup to backup. you got to follow the SOGs because you certainly won't be in a courtroom telling someone, oh, I went John Wayne this thing. Oops, I killed the whole neighborhood. That's well, a problem. We've been doing this for 25 years like this. What yeah. do you mean? What? i gotta, I got to change? Yeah, exactly. Well, so, so like when you, when you build your business around process or you build the fire service around process and you're willing to accept that the world's moving at a rate differently to your business and to the fire service, all these things, that – Flexibility is the king of a good process, which inherently doesn't have flexibility in it. I love that. Yeah. All right, so listen, what's next, man? What's next for you? What's next for High Viz, Fire Tech? Like, what are we doing? What's next? You got any secrets you want to share? If you can't get into the proprietary <laughs> secrets, give me a little sauce, though, on what's next. What are you guys up to? Um, what do you got coming up? Are you doing any more shows? Where can people find you? Give me, give me the yeah, whole rundown. Yeah. So, all right. So long range, here's kind of where we're going. You need to think about technologies in the fire service space. There are two things that guide what we do. It used to be scene lights. We made things that turned on and they help people see. And we made things that when they turned off, they were off. It was just binary on or off. Our business has changed from building on and off technology to building software enabled services that do things other than just on and off. So we've got colored products. We've got decontamination products we've got software enabled cloud services those are things that our business is doing and we are growing rapidly in that space which means that we're hiring a ton of people that aren't traditional electrical engineers they're firmware embedded developers full stack developers software developers these sorts of things that's so different our marketing team we're hiring social media strategists we're hiring like people that do things differently than you would think of for a traditional lighting manufacturer so our business is on the move i think you know if you're in, in any of those fields, you're looking for a job, please feel free to reach out. Tough recruiting environment. But when you think about more macro, like, okay, what's actually happening? You know, we're, we're around. We're at 35 shows a year. We've got great partners throughout the industry. We have some really exciting stuff coming. Awesome. FDIC. I'm sure. Wink, wink. Come check it out. And, uh, yeah, you'll see our business changing and growing and transitioning. And even in a world where vehicles are hard to get, fire trucks take two years to get your hands on, we're still adapting to that changing market. And our business is uh, – transforming if you will yeah i get into it. a business that serves more than just the core segments of scene lights that we've been known for for the last 10 years very cool yeah well brother i listen i can't thank you now i have no idea how long we're going you guys gotta get one of those clocks in here <laughs> so you know how long you're going spence how long have we been going for man an, an hour, hour. Ah, listen, perfect I, yeah i mean i, I don't want to go too long right so i mean the whole point of this and i think that this hour has been powerful 
Yeah. I really do, man. It was, it was a great conversation. And I could sit down with you for hours and hours and, and just do this because yeah. the conversation is easy. And uh, I just want to say from an outsider looking in at what you've been able to build, the presence you've made within the industry, and just the person you are, man, thank you. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for your friendship. Yeah. Um, I, I value it more than you'll ever know. Likewise. And uh, I think what you guys have here is, is strong. And uh, I can't wait to see what the future holds for you guys. Thank you for hosting me in your studio yeah. and doing this. Spence, thanks for doing all my work for me today, pal. I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you for being a part of it and really helping to kind of spread the message of what's occurring in our business Hell and yeah. for the fire community in general. I, yeah, thank you, brother. That means the world. So, listen, I'm going to sign out. For, uh, Sam, thank you, brother. Yeah. Hi, Viz, FireTech brand of lights. Sam, you're a friend, and uh, you're, you're running one hell of a machine here, and you have incredible people. So keep up the hustle. Yeah. And uh, stay in love with it because it you, shows every, brother, every day. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And, again, I'm Jeremy with National Fire Radio. We'll catch you at the next one. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.